If you have a Bible, we're going to have our Bible reading. It's um, Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 to 11. If you need a Bible, there are a box at the back. Um, go and grab one. Genesis 25, starting at verse 1, says this. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Letushites, and the Letumites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanok, Abida, and all these were the descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. The field Abraham had brought from the Hittites, there Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roar. The Bible begins by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the, the first chapter of the Bible, the pattern of it is, God said, and it was, just as God had said. All the world unfolds at the direction of God's words. The Bible begins like that, and it changes everything for us. And the passage we've just read shows us something of what this God is like. Genesis 25 brings us to the end of the story of Abraham. We've been following it on a Sunday morning since uh, September last year, I think. Um, and now, here's good old Abraham. Verse 8 says, Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. That is what happens in this chapter. Abraham dies. That's it. There we go. It's nice, isn't it? Um, dies at a good old age and is gathered to his people. It's much more than nice, though. Much more. You see, many, many years earlier, back in Genesis 15, God said to Abraham, you will go to your ancestors and be buried at a good old age. God said it, and it was. God always does what God says. God always does what God says. Let's think about that. Um, I, I know that schools have closed now for the summer. And there are probably some children who are already missing doing maths, aren't you, Casper? Uh, well, for those who are missing doing maths, I've got a little maths question for you this morning. Are you ready for it? I want you to look very carefully. It's very difficult. Two plus three equals. Think about it. Don't, don't just jump to the answer. Have a little think. When you're ready, I want us all to shout out together what you think the answer is. I'm going to say three, two, one, go. Three, two, one. You sure? Okay. Oh, there we go. That's what it says. Two plus three equals five. Two plus three equals five. But does it always equal five? I mean, 
the world's a big place, isn't it? What about if we went to China and we stood on the Great Wall of China? Does 2 plus 3 equal 5 if I'm standing right here? Don't you think? What is it? How about, though, if we went to the highest place on the planet? What about if we went to the top of Mount Everest? We joined that queue of people. Um, if we asked this person here, 2 plus 3, what is it? What would he say? 99. Yeah, because he's probably gone brain dead because of lack of oxygen. But he would be wrong, wouldn't he? Because what is the answer on Mount Everest? 5. Okay. But, but that, that's fine. That, that's fine for our planet. What about if we left our planet and we stood on the surface of the moon and we looked back at Earth? If you're standing on the surface of the moon, what does 2 plus 3 equal? 5. Are you sure? You sure? Really sure? Interesting. And what about, though? What, so we've thought about different places on Earth or away from Earth. What about if there was just nothing? If there was nothing at all, what does 2 plus 3 equal? What does it equal? No, it equals 5. It always equals five. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter when you are, doesn't matter who you are, um, doesn't matter if there's even nothing, two plus three always equals five, is always the same. Why is that? That's a deep philosophical question. Philosophers wrestle with that. Uh, but it's always the same, it's always true. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it, it's a fixed reality. Two plus three is always five. Well, the life of Abraham gives us a fixed reality, and the fixed reality is God always does what God says. God said, and it was. That is woven into the construction of the universe. Now, if that's true, which it is, then don't we want to know what God said? If God always does what he says, don't we want to know what he says? Well, in the Bible, God tells us the story of kingdom blessings. At the beginning of the Bible in creation, we have blessings introduced. God sets up a kingdom of heaven on earth, and when he makes people, it says, God bless them. And God always does what God says. Uh, but then there was a rebellion in the kingdom. The blessing was interrupted, and the crafty snake in Genesis 3 came in, and he attacked what God said. And the people in Genesis 3 did not believe that God always does what God says. And blessing became a curse. And the world became darker and murkier and more muddled and miserable. Uh, and so God hit the reset button. He wiped clean the mess of rebellion with the waters of the flood. Uh, but after the flood, the human heart has always got this, this limp, this permanent limp, struggling to believe that God does what God says. We struggle with it, but God doesn't. God doesn't give up. His word does not fail. So after the flood, in Genesis 9, God blessed Noah and his sons. God is committed to bless, and God always does what God says. Then, blessing was erupted in the life of Abraham. In Genesis 12, God meets Abraham. There are so many generations that divide Noah and Abraham, but God doesn't really speak to people until he speaks to Abraham in Genesis 12 and says, he says, I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make you a great name, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God speaks a blessing, and God always does what God says. 
God is promising to Abraham the restoration of a kingdom of heaven on earth. And that promise to Abraham gets repeated, it gets developed over the years. And then in Genesis 25, Abraham breathed his last and died. What happens to the promise here? Well, in Genesis 25, we see there's been some progress in the promise. Uh, the kingdom of heaven blessing had a different, some different aspects, different parts to it. It was a promise of a populated kingdom. Uh, God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, I'll make you into a great nation. In Genesis 17, he said, you will be the father of many nations. And here at the end of Abraham's life, we're told, at some point he's taken a second wife, Keturah, and she had a number of children. And the names of these sons show that they become different nations. Why are we told this? Because Abraham would be the father of many nations. And we're being shown that God always does what God says. The promise was also for a placed kingdom. In Genesis 12, Abraham was called to go to a land. And when he got there, he got to the land of Canaan. God said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now in Genesis 25, as Abraham dies, he's buried. We're told in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zoar the Hittite. This is a field that Abraham brought. It was the only bit of the promised land that he owned. It was a burial site, but he had his toe in, or his whole body under, didn't he? Um, he, he had a little bit of the promised land because we're being shown God always does what God says. And then thirdly, it's a precious kingdom. The word bless is a pretty naff word, isn't it? It can mean all kinds of things. Uh, but when, the way that the Bible describes the way that God blesses is just wonderful. That The heartbeat of the blessing comes out in the life of Abraham. See, God said to Abraham in Genesis 15, he says, I am your shield, your very great reward. See, God's blessing is the greatest of blessing because in God's blessing, he gives the greatest goodness that there is anywhere. God gives himself. He says to Abraham, I am your reward. He says, Abraham, I'm blessing you. That means you get me. In Genesis 17, the longest speech of God in Genesis, he says to Abraham again, I am God Almighty. And and in effect, what he says to Abraham there, he says, I am God and I want you so that I can do so much good to you. I want to bless you. I want to be your God. I want you to be mine. And then in Genesis 25, Abraham breathes his last and he dies. And it says, he was gathered to his people. His story couldn't end there because God had taken hold of him. And God always does what God says. And the blessings continue to bloom beyond. At the end of our passage in verse 11, Abraham is dead and buried. But it says, after Abraham's death, this is what God did. What did God do after Abraham's death? God blessed his son Isaac. Blessing doesn't leave the world when Abraham died. God's plan to bless carries on because God always does what God says. Psalm 145 that we read at the beginning says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And that means that generations may rise and generations may fall, but his word is living and his hope is sure. His word is sure. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing about the power of his word, his unchanging word, that God always does what God says. Let's stand and sing together.
Please take your seats. Uh, as we sit, let's pray again, shall we? Uh, Psalm 145 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Our Lord in heaven, we, we pray that every creature will praise your great name. Uh, we praise you that you are near to all who call on you, that all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. We praise you for that. And yet, Lord, as we look at the world around us, we see so few who call on the name of Jesus. And pour out your spirit to turn, to turn the hearts and minds to, to call on the name of Jesus. May his salvation be known and loved by the people we know and love. Lord, we pray the same for the country of France, and especially we lift before you Rob and Sylvianne Reeves, our partners there. Lord, we pray that through them and through the churches they're involved in, that the message of Christ would be, would be heard, that it would spread far and wide. Would you strengthen them in, their, in your grace and provide for what they need? Our Lord, as we pray for our world, Lord, we think of places of trouble in the world, and we bring before you the country of Ukraine at this time. Lord, we pray that you, God of heaven, would look on earth and have mercy. Lord, we pray that you, would, that you would bring peace in that land. Lord, that for those who mourn, that you would bring comfort. Lord, that where the church in Christ Church can born for a time of prayer, um, but this is our, our last evening service before the summer break. We have our, our summer home group at the Carters this week. If you need to know where that is, please ask. Um, and uh, coming up in the summer on the 13th of August, an opportunity to be a blessing in our community. Um, if you're able to help in any way with bands in the park, please do speak to Diana. Um, your help will be very much appreciated. Um, what is next? Ah, here we go. Um, Paul, do you want to come? You're very welcome to bring your family. Um, that's up to them. You're right, Dutton. Yeah. Good. They're on the screen. Uh, the Lord Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, and we are giving Paul and his family away. Um, and because they're so dear to us, it is a great blessing. A really great blessing. And Paul has been with us for three years with your family um, as our assistant pastor. Um, and the Lord has called you away to serve as a pastor at Thurfield Chapel. Um, it's been such an honor to have you with us at Kingfisher for three years. Um, a real blessing for us, um, and Tanya, Seth, and Orla as well, who seems to have been absorbed into my family over there. Um, we, we've, we, we've enjoyed your family so much. Um, we've stood shoulder to shoulder in the gospel. I'm really thankful to the Lord for um, the blessing you've been to me personally, to us as a church, to our communities and beyond. Um, and I'm really, really excited for what the Lord will do in you and through you um, in the coming years. Um, I think you might want to say something. I do, yeah. Okay, come on. Yeah, is this on? Thank you. Um, yeah, three years. It's been a, some strange three years, hasn't it, with the pandemic? Um, but I suppose of all the people I could have gone through a pandemic with, I'm glad it was you, uh, which is the kind of thing you get written on a mug, <laughs> which is funny because um, I have. So, uh, okay, we, we, you can keep this at the back and maybe people can fight over who's going to drink out of it. Um, but actually, seriously, let me just read something uh, from uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. 
Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I was just under four years ago now, I was uh, looking for where God might be calling us next and saw on a website an uh, advert for Kingfisher Church, Little Paxton, an assistant minister. And that wasn't really what I was looking for at this point in time. But I had this sense of if I don't click on this link, I'm going to regret it. Um, and I did. And, and kind of the rest is... <laughs> I did click on the link. I should clarify that. I didn't regret it, but I did click on the link. Um, uh, yeah, kind of the rest is history. Um, uh, and we've been really thankful to be here. There was, um, I think, coming into Kingfisher, one of the particular things I was wanting to see and to experience uh, was a good plurality of leaders, a healthy experience of of leadership. I've had some interesting experiences over the years uh, at some churches uh, and coming here. And, and seriously, uh, of all the people I could have gone through a pandemic with, uh, I was glad it was you. Uh, you have uh, some wonderful men of God uh, here leading you uh, in the church. You got Rich, uh, Mark, uh, Andrew being brought um, to, the, to the members next month to join the eldership. Now, and these are our men who are humble. Uh, they're not seeking their own glory. They're seeking the glory of God. Uh, they love the Lord Jesus. They are men. They will make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Uh, but yeah, do continue to pray for them, uh, to support them. Now, for Rich, it's going to be strange. He's gone from having two people who are in full-time sort of Christian employment with him uh, so then not having anyone. And it is a, it's a weird experience being employed at a church because that's your place of employment. It's your place of, it's, it's your place of worship. It's your family. Everything gets rolled into one. So continue uh, to support your leaders uh, and continue to love one another no more. Uh, it, it has been great to be part of this fellowship. Uh, this is a place that has felt safe, uh, a place where there's, not needed to feel a sense of hiding, uh, and, and just grow in that more and more. You know, keep an eye out for those who perhaps feel a bit nervous. You know, the weak, help the weak. Encourage the disheartened. Now, maybe sometimes there are those who are idle and disruptive who, who need that firm word. You know, keep an eye out for those who maybe are by themselves that we can easily forget, we can overlook, or we don't know how to help them. Yeah, move towards them. Yeah, I, I grew up being very risk adverse, and I remember watching the, the BBC Chronicles of Narnia, gives you a clue of how old I am, uh, and you know, when Lucy had that vial, that cordial, when people were injured and she could go and heal them, I thought that was so cool. If you had someone in your family who did that, and you know, any injury that you sustained, you had this little vial and it would bring that healing. Now, we have something greater than that. We have the gospel of Christ, and we can move towards one another with the gospel of Christ. And at times we will, we will make mistakes. I've made many mistakes. I've made many mistakes whilst I'm here. And we will make mistakes as we move towards one another. We may get hurt ourselves. No, but we have the gospel and the gospel, the gospel that brings healing. And we bring the gospel to bear in those situations. And in so doing, we move deeper and we move deeper 
and we move deeper into the grace of God. So let me encourage you to continue doing what you are doing uh, and just do it more and more. Let me pray. You always choose this hand, don't you? Um, You'll be crazy to choose the other hand. God always does what God says, so we can always trust what God says. God promised to bless Abraham. He trusted the promise, and he lived by faith in that promise. Uh, And in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews reflects on Abraham's life like this. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Did you hear that bit? The the bit I've put in bold and, and highlight on the screen did not receive what Abraham in Genesis 25 when he dies he did not receive the things promised he had tokens and types and pictures he had the beginnings but not the full substance and so when we we read about this populated kingdom Abraham was the father of many nations but he didn't receive the things promised Uh, the nations in Genesis 25 they are not the citizens of the kingdom of heaven it's a picture and not the reality And the placed kingdom, Abraham owned a part of the promised land when he died, but it was a graveyard. He did not receive the things promised. He died not having received, but trusting the promise. Now the reason that he had that burial site in the land was because he was trusting the promise. He was longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And so if we went to Abraham on his deathbed and we said, Abraham, we've got some questions for you. Question number one, Abraham. Where is your home? What would he say? What would he say? Uh, I reckon he'd say something like, my home is here, but it's not here. I've lived as a stranger on earth and God has promised me a better country. That's my home and I die resting on the promise. And then Abraham singles out his sons. I don't know if you noticed that in the reading, how Isaac was the main son the reason he singles out Isaac is because in Genesis 17, God said, my covenant I will establish with Isaac. He's the miracle child, the son of the promise. So Abraham left everything to Isaac. He provided for the other children, but Isaac is the heir. He sent the others away from Isaac because he's trusting the promise. He's protecting Isaac because God had said Isaac is the promise bearer. And God had said it and God always does what God says. Abraham trusted the promise. Trusted that through his offspring, through Isaac, and then beyond Isaac for generation after generation, Abraham doesn't know how many generations, but eventually blessing would be unleashed on all the earth through that line. 
So if you asked Abraham on his deathbed another question and said, Abraham, where is the hope for the world? It's a good question, isn't it? This world that is crushed under curse. A world aching for, for release. Can there ever be blessing like there was in the beginning? Abraham would say, yes. It's through my offspring, through Isaac and the family that comes through him. Eventually, in time, a son will be born who will crush the serpent's head. And he will restore original blessings to all the nations who receive him. There is hope and it will come. It will come when one born among my descendants walks on the earth and says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And God always does what he says. And so like Abraham, we can always trust what God says. But can we? Now, can we really do that? Is it, is it practicable to actually trust what God says all the time? Think about Abraham. Just, just really pressing. Abraham, when he died, did not have what was promised. Now, the, the promise that came to Abraham is a promise that is so good. It's hard to describe how good the promise is. A promise of untainted, unspoiled, unblemished, unending happiness. A life in closest fellowship with God Almighty being wrapped up in everlasting arms of love. It's it's a promise of the world being as it should be. And everybody in the world being as we should be. A world where there is no sadness and no sickness and no sin. A world where there is no death and no pain and no agony. A, A world where God looks at every detail of it and he says, it is very good. The one who knows all things looks at all things and says, it is perfect. So good. The promise is so good. But life is not. It wasn't for Abraham and it's not for us. Now that promise to Abraham, it comes and meets us in Jesus Christ. Jesus is where all the promises land. Now that blessing introduced in creation, interrupted in the fall, erupted in the promises Abraham, that blessing grows, it's magnified and multiplied when it meets us in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, it says the entire package of God's abundant goodness, that indescribably wonderful goodness of God in its entirety is ours in Jesus Christ. Now the more we hear things like that, the more we can feel the disconnect between our experience in real life. Now, like Abraham, we do not yet have what was promised. We see it from afar, but we long for a better country, a heavenly one. So what does that mean for us? Well, God always does what God says, so we can always trust what God says. If the sweet is always in the same hand, we pick the hand that's going to deliver, don't we? Three things for us to take away. First one, we need to know what God says. Uh, So many people, maybe this is your story, but so so many people tell a story like this. They say, there was a time when I was trusting Jesus, I was a Christian, and and then this thing happened in my life, and it was a bad thing, it was a, a sad thing, an awful thing, and when that thing happened, I stopped believing. Now, so often our journey in life can bring those awful times upon us. That we go through a valley of the shadow of death. It's terrible things. But in those times and, and before and after, we want to gently be asking, but what does God say? 
God hasn't promised us a happy life immediately. God, God never said we would escape all the sadness now. If we trust what we imagine God might have said, we're going to get into all kinds of trouble. Now, God always does what he says, so we've got to work hard to know what God has said. We need to know what he says. That's the first thing. The second thing, we can wait. Uh, the film, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, is a fairly below average film, if you've ever seen it. Um, but the, the manager of this hotel has a line that he repeats. He says, everything will be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Our God has not promised that everything will be all right in the end. Our God has promised that in the end, everything will be glorious. The kingdom of heaven that was planted as a mustard seed when the Lord Jesus was on earth, it will reach its glorious consummation. And the heavenly city will descend and it will meet on earth. And God will dwell with his people. And he will wipe away every tear from every eye. And there will be immortal, imperishable bliss. That will be our state. And our song will be, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is Jesus Christ, the one who was, who was slain for our sins. Who lives now to intercede for us. All our hope is in him and all the glory goes to him. The, the one who died to grant our citizenship in heaven. And then Father God will meet us with the words, welcome home. Welcome home. Do you know how that's going to happen? No, of course we don't know how when Abraham was promised that the world would be blessed through his family, he didn't have a family. He was childless. He cried out to God. He said, how can you bless through my family? Because I haven't got a family. And God said, look at the stars. In effect, God said, look at what my word has done. I spoke and they were. Look at the stars. I always do what I say, so trust me. Abraham was promised that the whole world would be blessed through Isaac. And then God said, give Isaac to me. I want you to sacrifice your beloved son. Abraham didn't know how God could do what he said if Isaac was dead. But he reasoned, God is God. God cannot fail to do what he said. And so Abraham obeyed, even when he couldn't see how. God always does what he says so we can trust him. Trust that he is big enough to work out how to do it. Now, if we haven't received all that he promised, if we're not yet raised imperishable in the new world, if we've not yet finished our struggle with sin, if we still ache, if tears of grief still roll down our cheeks, if we still find ourselves stumbling, if we still look at the world and think it stinks and it's awful, that doesn't mean God has failed. It means we're not yet at the end. We can wait. And as we wait, we can ask, where is your home? Where is your hope? Now those actions at the end of Abraham's life, they help us to keep going. We can ask each other the question, uh, where is your home? See, our Lord Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. A place in my father's house, a place in the heavenly city. And he said, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be. Where is your home? And where is your hope? Now Abraham would say, it's through my offspring that God's going to bring blessing to all. We can say, Abraham's offspring has come. Jesus Christ has come, the one in whom is every spiritual blessing. All blessings for those who trust him. So what can we do? Well, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. 
It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart.